All right. Thank you, Carrie. Well, I want to begin this morning with a short clip from a movie that perhaps many of you are familiar with. It came out actually in 2003, but it's an endearing classic movie, Finding Nemo. And it tells the story of a overprotective clownfish named Marlin, who along with this flaky little fun fish named Dory, searches for his missing son, Nemo. So in this clip, they're trapped in the whale, and Marlin is desperately trying to get out to find his son. And Dory, like I said, she's funny, but flaky, has some surprising advice for him. So. As we go get started, let me see if we can get this up and running. And here we go. I don't know if you caught those few lines, but this is what he said. Marlon, the dad, says, I promised I'd never let anything happen to him. And Dory responds, hmm, that's a funny thing to promise. And Marlon says, what? And Dory responds, well, you can't never let anything happen to him. Then nothing would ever happen to him. Not much fun for little Harpo. (laughs) Well, why do we say things like this? We say things like this because we're fearful. We're fearful. This past week, we looked at the second half of the study of freedom from being stuck and how to move from closed-fisted parenting to open-handed parenting. We spent the last uh, day of day five in our study looking at fear. And that's where I want to pick up today is as we specifically focus on freedom from fear-based parenting. Now, the feeling of fear is natural. Uh, We can't help feeling fear, 
but we can choose how to respond to fear. The Bible says, fear not or do not be afraid um, many times throughout the Bible. And some have said that there are actually 365 commands of do not fear, one for every day of the, uh, of the year. There are plenty of things to fear in our lives, and we'll talk about some of those today. However, feeling fear is different than letting fear run our lives. Dr. Stuart Ablon says this, fear-based parenting is when parents use power and control to try to get their kids to comply with the expectations. And I would go on to say, also using power to control circumstances to get what the parent wants. So fear-based parenting is parenting from a place of fear and anxiety, not curiosity and growth and wonder that we talked about last week. These parents also tend to make decisions based on the fear of what might happen or of what other people might think. So let's start with what do we fear? Psalm 46 one, two, three says, God is our refuge and strength, an ever-present help in trouble. Therefore, we will not fear, though the earth gives away, way, and the mountains fall into the heart of the sea, though its waters roar and foam, and the mountains quake with their surging. We live in a fearful time, don't we? There's no shortage of things to fear in our world. The list is endless if I should ask and take a, a survey this morning. Now, I'm just going to narrow it down to a couple things this morning for purposes today. When our oldest son, Jordan, who's now 32, was 18 months old, he was in a crib still, and I was pregnant with our second son. But he was having trouble, Jordan was having trouble sleeping through the night. And he would cry, we would get up, he would cry, we would get up, and Brian and I were feeling weary of this pattern. We talked to our doctor about it, he assured us that if he was healthy, if he was not hungry, if he was being taken care of, we could really let him cry all night. Have you heard that as well? Yeah. But we just, as parents, needed to be ready. So we determined we were ready, we were going to stick this out, we were going to let him cry through the night. So we, we did that, and of course we had to keep each other from getting up, right, and going to him. He cried, he cried, he cried, and then we heard a thump, and then it was quiet. Brian and I looked at each other, and then we got up out of bed, ran into his room, and he was sitting on the floor. He had gotten so angry in his crying he had flipped himself out of the crib onto the floor. Now, my husband thought that was an amazing act of physical prowess. <laughs> Good for you. I, on the other hand, was terrified of what could have happened. And we, at that point, decided to get a crib tent. I don't know if any of you have had to use a crib tent, but it was one of these made for for this kind of thing, where you put this big crib tent over and you zip it up around. It's perfectly safe, however, my husband would call it the crib cage. I said, no, 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 you don't call it a cage. People get arrested for that. We call it a tent. So that was our story of, of safety. And the point is, we do whatever we can to protect 
our children, don't we? From the time they're born, we keep them at our side. We put them in cradles and bassinets for weeks or months, and we, we want to hear them. We make sure they're breathing. We want to make sure that everything is right. We want to protect them from stubbed toes and skin knees. And as they get older, we teach them about stranger danger, how to respect their bodies and other people's bodies. Just a side note, a couple weeks ago, I had gone to a little soccer activity with my daughter-in-law and her, her two-year-old, my granddaughter. And we were going for a little donut run after this soccer ga game activity. <laughs> and Emery, my granddaughter, two years old, didn't want to leave to go in the car. So at Gianna, my daughter-in-law, had to grab her to get her in, in the car. Emery turns to her and says, don't touch me, not your body. <laughs> At which Gianna looks at me with that look you all gave me. And Gianna says, I am her mother. I can touch her if I want to. But she can say that at 16, right? Well, we hear stories on the news about kidnappings, abductions, and worse. And it just feeds that fear, doesn't it? To shelter, to keep close. We want to create this bubble that they don't go out of till they're 25. Well, the Bible tells us that even Jesus' mother had fear, feared for his safety. When he was 12, it tells us a story in Luke 2 that every year uh, Jesus' parents would go to Jerusalem for the festival, festival of Passover. And they would do this when Jesus, again, was 12. They went to Jerusalem and they stayed there. But then when they left, Jesus stayed. They went on with all their relatives and their family thinking Jesus was with them. But after a day of travel, they looked for him and they couldn't find him. So they decided to go back, and after three days, sorry, that fill in with safety, um, it says this, after three days, think about it, three days of looking for him, three days, can you imagine as a mother how that would feel, the panic? After three days, they found him in the temple court, sitting among the teachers, listening to him and asking them questions. Everyone who heard him was amazed at his understanding and his answers. When his parents saw him, they were astonished. His mother said to him, son, why have you treated us like this? Your father and I have been anxiously, anxiously searching for you. Now the story doesn't end here. I'll come back to it in a minute. We fear for our child's physical safety. We also fear for their emotional safety. We know that our culture bombards all of us and our children with messages that tell them who they are, who they aren't. They're coming at them from books and movies and TVs, media all around. And we wonder, we fear, how will this be part of shaping who they are? We want to shelter them from, from bullying, from the, any verbal abuse they might have. And we, we fear about their experiences of anxiety or depression or mental health, things that are just touching them at earlier ages. How will that impact who they are? And then, of course, we fear what we have as influence as moms. I think every mom at some point asks, wonders, what are the wounds we've caused our children? What, what have we said? What have we done? What have we not said? What have we not done that will impact them? We pray that the good will far outweigh our weaknesses and things we've said or done. But if you're like me, you wonder if your kids will someday be in therapy talking about their moms, right? <laughs> well, we fear their physical and emotional safety, but fear doesn't stop there. We, we also fear 
failure. Some of you may remember or have heard the story uh, out of Texas a number of years ago when a mother of a middle school cheerleader hired, actually her middle school daughter, uh, the mother Wanda hired a hitman to kill the mother of a middle school cheerleader who was vying for a spot on a cheerleading squad. Her plan was to kill the mother of this cheerleader who was vying for the same spot as her daughter, thinking that if this daughter's mother was killed, she'd be so distraught she wouldn't try out for the squad and her daughter would get the spot on the squad. True story, I'm not making this up. Many fear-based parents are concerned about their kids' achievements, about their status, and drive their kids to run faster, jump higher, do better, to make cheerleading squads, to get into colleges that they don't deserve to get into, if you remember that whole fiasco. Why the drive? I think often because it, we see it as a reflection of our parenting, don't we? Of our successful parenting. We can assure ourselves that we are not failures if our kids aren't failures. We're tempted to believe that our bad, kids' bad choices are a reflection of us as bad moms. Likewise, if they make good choices, then we're good moms, right? Some of us have even anchored our identities in our children's performances. And the problem with that is our sense of self-worth comes and goes. If our children perform poorly, what's that mean about our self-worth? And likewise, if they do well, well, it can be like this. That's a lot of pressure on our kids. And it's not how God designed it. That's not where our worth comes from. Well, let's move on. What does fear produce? What fear produces? Proverbs 29.25 says, Fear of man will prove to be a snare, but whoever trusts in the Lord is kept safe. Fear lays a snare because it causes us to choose unhealthy options. When we find ourselves gripped by fear, when it comes to protecting our children from physical harm, from emotional wounds, from failure, it should come as no surprise that fear is going to make us into parents, produce parents who want to control. Now, I confess I like to be in control, and perhaps some of you do too. <laughs> some mental health professionals believe that controlling parenting is some of the most prevalent style of parenting there is. So instead of talking to their children, negotiating, taking time to explain things, controlling parents set strict rules. This is the way to do it. The rules can be unreasonable and often just isn't, there's no negotiation, there's no explanation. This is the way you do it because I said so. Now, let me just say a side note here. When our children are very young, we are authoritative in our style of parenting. We do need to, to be able to tell them how it's done and we don't necessarily need to offer explanations. However, as our children grow, our boundaries grow, our guidelines need to expand to allow them to explore, to learn, to discover. 
Fear-based parenting doesn't allow for a release and expansion of our grip. Instead, we hold tight and the child doesn't, isn't allowed to grow, isn't allowed those appropriate developmental steps of independence. When we parent out of fear, we also try to control circumstances and we over-shelter. While it's understandable that we as parents want to protect our child from danger, as we've said, it keeps from being able to explore and make mistakes. It keeps from them from being allowed to learn from their mistakes. And so our urge to control out of fear can actually come across sometimes as they get older as suspicion, as distrust, and it could often lead, particularly as they get into middle school and high school, as distrustful um, behavior that leads them to withdraw and hide even more from us as parents. So let's take a minute and look back at, the, at Mary and how she handled Jesus in this situation. I don't think we see a fear-based parent. She was fearful. We, we say, see in the Bible it says she was anxious, but she was not a fear-based parent. She could have tightened the rules. She could have said, Jesus, you are not going out for the next two years. You are grounded. But I don't think that's what she said. The end of the story in Luke 2.52 says, and Jesus grew in wisdom and stature and in favor with God and man. See, growing in wisdom and stature can't happen when we're like this, when we are in, when we control. Well, it's no surprise that when we control and things don't go as we think we should, we feel anger. We feel anxiety. Anger and anxiety then feed into the cycle and continue the cycle of control. I have felt it. Perhaps you have too. Perhaps you know exactly what I'm talking about. Fear produces a tendency to control and it often leads to comparisons. I was working in a resource room at school when Jordan, like I said, I was the oldest, was in kindergarten. And do any of you work, work in school? Are you able to do that these days anymore? Work in the classroom a little bit? Not so much? Okay. So I was working in the resource room helping the kindergarten teacher out, and we were talking a little bit. We had younger sons, and so I asked about her younger son, Austin, who was three. I said, so what's Austin doing? How's he doing? And my friend Lynn said this, and I'll never... Well, well she said, I, I, um, he's going to preschool. Three years old, I'm going to send him preschool. But I'll never forget this part of her response. She said, I'm sending him to preschool. I don't really want to but everybody else is doing it. And that stuck with me. It's been all these years later, 29 years later, 25 years later. I don't really want to, but everybody else is doing it. Some of us feel like Lynn and, and look around to what others are doing and, and then base our decisions on that, on what we see, whether or not we think it's best for our family or our child. And there's nothing wrong with, with learning what other options are, with getting advice from other people, but we're doing it just to follow the crowd. We're, we're giving in to adult peer pressure, aren't we, as we compare. And it's a form of, it can be a form of control as we want our child to keep up with the other kids. Isn't that the constant in our culture, keeping up with the other kids so they don't fall behind, whether or not that's really best for our children? 
And fear then leads to comparison, and comparison leads to insecurity. Oh my goodness, we feel that insecurity. We wonder if we're doing it right, don't we? It's rare that we look to another mom and simply see her way of doing things, of parenting, of crafting, of decorating, and, and say, see it as simply different. Instead, we think, I'm just not very good. I must be a bad mom. And social media, oh my goodness, that has just multiplied it by a hundred times, the comparisons and feelings of inadequacy and insecurity. Thirdly, facing fear. This is where we want to land, facing fear. 2 Timothy 1, 6 through 7. Fan into flame the gift of God. For God gave us a spirit not of fear, but of power and love and self-control. We know we have the instinct to protect. And we know we're learning that by preventing them from learning from life's greatest teacher, which is experience, we're also preventing them from receiving God's greatest gift, grace. Children, as they experience rejection and failure, while it's painful for them and probably more painful for us, are going to learn to adapt from experience and they're going to be stronger. Oh, that's hard to see, isn't it? But my job and yours is not to smother control over protect as much as we want to do that, but to provide the nurturing environment in which we can guide, nurture our child to grow physically, spiritually, and emotionally. So how do we face fear? How do we face fear? We trust in God's presence. Isaiah 43, 12 says, For I am the Lord your God, who takes hold of your right hand, and says to you, do not fear, I will help you. I will help you. Whether our concerns are or aren't justified, we can hand our concerns over to our Heavenly Father, who takes us by the hand, just like we take our little ones by the hand, and hold them and walk with them and walk beside them. He provides us with this inner peace, and we can be assured that we can trust the outcome to him. Dane Ortland has written a devotional book that I've been reading through called In the Lord I Take Refuge. And he said this as he talked about, it's about the Psalms. And in Psalm 33, he says this, when you trust in the Lord as your help and your shield, in other words, when you locate your inner calm and security in God instead of in your own management of circumstances, the frenetic anxieties that clutch at your heart lose their vice-like grip. Trust in God's presence. And second, secondly, trust in God's truth. God has chosen in his grand design to use us moms as his instruments of his grace in the lives of his children, our children. He could have done it any other way, but he didn't. He chose you, Kayla, Kristen, Amy, each of you, and me, 
to be the primary ways our children come to understand who God is and what he's like. Hebrews 12.1 says, Therefore, since we are surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, let us throw off everything that hinders and the sin that so easily entangles, and let us run with perseverance the race marked out for us. Let us fix our eyes on Jesus, the author and perfecter of our faith. Surrounded by such a great cloud of witnesses, all those men and women that have gone before us, the generations of faithful moms. Oh, precious moms. May we join the generations of faithful moms as we follow Jesus in prayer, in Bible study, what you're doing right here, in worship, in community, and in doing so, move from fear-based parenting that gets replaced with trust. Trust in God and trust in our child. We need this foundation of trust to allow for independence, for growth. Our kids will make mistakes. Pray that you catch them early. (laughs) They make mistakes like we do. The key is letting our children know we love them even when they make those mistakes or make decisions we might not agree with or might not want, like our couple of our boys who got tattoos. They've got multiple tattoos. And that's a story for another time. Talk to me if you're worried about tattoos. <laughs> As our children grow from elementary age to middle school to high school and beyond, parenting on the basis of faith and trust will provide a lasting foundation of love and connection. I'm going to close with another story about Emery. She's going to give me lots of stories. <laughs> she watches her mom closely. And she was watching Gianna as she breastfed little Eden, who is now three months old. But at the time, Eden was eight weeks old, and Emery was under two. Emery has a little stuffed animal that's her favorite stuffed animal. It's a little Mickey Mouse. And... Emery had that Mickey Mouse close to her all the time. And when she had seen, after weeks of seeing Mommy feed little Eden, one day Gianna caught Emery with her little Mickey Mouse. Emery got the boppy, put it around her, pulled up her shirt, and put Mickey Mouse right up here and was feeding her, sitting there, looking around. <laughs> she she uh, took, took Mickey down, burped Mickey, pulled up her shirt, fed <laughs> Mickey on this side, burped Mickey, Gianna pulled out her phone, started videotaping. But this is what I thought. Did Gianna sit down and teach Emery how to nurse Mickey Mouse? (laughs) No. Little Emery was watching her mom with those little eyes that observed all her moves. Your kids are watching you more than you know. So much of faith is caught rather than taught. Our kids are sponges, and what feels mundane is monumental. When you see it in the light of the foundation you are laying, the day in, the day out, the weariness, the routines, they matter. 
What we pray will be caught is a mom who is not perfect, you've heard it said, but a mom who is in pursuit and is purposeful of following a God who loves her and loves her child. A mom who doesn't live with this burden of responsibility to create and manage and shift circumstances around, but trust the one who is present in her every day and who moves from fear-based parenting to faith-based parenting. So let's close in prayer. I'm going to ask you to do something, if you're willing, to just put your notes and Bibles and books down. And I'm just going to ask you to close your eyes, but raise your hands like this, in open hands. And this is just a symbol of releasing the control as we move from fear to faith and open our hands to a God who so desires to come to us. Heavenly Father, we thank you that you are a God who knows us intimately. You know the fears that can consume and concern us. The fears that lead us to try to control what we can and even the things we can't. We confess that we not only try to play God, but we also feel anxious and angry when things don't go our way. Oh, Jesus, we want to join the cloud of witnesses who trust you wholeheartedly with our lives and with our kids. May we fix our eyes on you, assured of your presence, your love, and your mercies. And may we remember the truth of your promises, that you will hold our hand, leading us and walking with us. We open our hands to you today as a symbol of our surrender to you. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. Thank you. Have a good morning. Thank you.